Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you today from uh, Dinosaur, Colorado. And Bear, I think we're close. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's too close <laughs> to where we are. I feel the dinosaur age is upon us, but nonetheless, we're not there. So we have some sympathy for the folks from Dinosaur, Colorado. Right. Now, my hope is that what we're talking about today is not dinosaurish, that it's, it's, <laughs> it's relevant, hopefully important to the listeners. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of listeners, we just dropped another episode or we dropped a, an episode uh, this past Thursday, the family episode. And uh, I've gotten lots of good comments on that from the people who have been listening in. And in fact, one of the things that I'm going to reference uh, today is one of the comments that uh, your son Matt made about what he learned, if anything, from his dad. And it was about the notion of giving people the opportunity to self-assess. And I think that's a critical part of the coaching process. Now, it's what the coach actually provides is assessment. But I think the notion of getting people to self-assess when Matt shared it was a really interesting observation to me. Now, for those who haven't heard that podcast yet, he ends with a very funny story about his dad and he and how that's carried on to the, the grand uh, daughters. So you want to listen in on that, but that is a part of coaching. Yeah. Uh, any comments on that? No, I enjoyed it uh, as well. I thoroughly enjoyed the interaction of the five sons and daughters and thought their insights were well delivered and I'm glad to take positive responsibility for the good things they picked up on. Fun session. I know we're going to go back to it lots of times. But our task today is really to talk about coaching. And I think throughout, Bear, one of the things we may want to continue to do, because it's a distinction we are trying to perpetuate and to focus on, is the distinction between coaching, mentoring, and sponsoring. And so every so often, we'll just want to reference and say, when we say coaching focuses on this, it's in contrast to what mentoring might focus on or what sponsorship might focus on. But let me throw it to you. In your mind, what do you think coaches focus on? Maybe something we can talk through together. Well, I think coaches focus on skill sets. Mm -hmm. They focus on the behaviors that collectively represent one of those skill sets, one or more skill sets. And I think coaches are really, by and large, about, like you said, assessment. I think a lot of it has to do with measurement. Mm. I would go so far as to say my axiom with regard to coaching and with regard to performance enhancement is always you cannot manage what you cannot measure. So if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Coach's job to identify the measurements that if attended to will improve performance. So in a way, coaching is one approach to managing. That's one of the things we bump into a lot when we're asked to be the consultants is to work with someone on changing how they're going to manage or how they're going to lead and how they try to lead. And so when I think about coaching, it is a part of management and it's a key part of being able to get that workforce in the right place, so to speak. One of the things that you shared earlier before we came on the air was the notion that really, if you start with the end in mind, the end is always about getting results. The end is always about what are we trying to accomplish? What's the outcomes we're looking for? And so I think a manager, 
slash coach really has to be thinking with the end in mind and the idea of how do I help this workforce get there? How do I help this individual get there? And one of the ways is to focus on the skills. Now, when you think about that, and you did a nice job of breaking down behaviors are embedded in the skills. Inevitably, there's a set of behaviors that make up that skill. And so when you think about coaching, how do you go there? What do you think you focus on? I think when I'm doing coaching and we've identified myself and the person who's being coached, have identified an outcome that needs to be produced or a performance level that needs to be improved, then we start breaking down what are the behaviors that need to be used in order to produce that result and which of those behaviors would the coachee see themselves as lacking or being less efficient in. Let me stop you there and back up because you made a statement and I I was tickled by it that you just assumed it, that we're going to work on this together as we determine together what it is. How important is that to you? Well, I think in certainly in a business sense, their livelihood, their success, their career is dependent upon their ability to perform. So I I could never see coaching someone whose commitment to that improvement is less than mine. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a mutual commitment to results. And you really can't determine that commitment until you get a chance to talk with them and see how they're going to participate in this process of what are we going to change in order to get it done. And are they going to see your input as something they need to take special, pay special attention to because it could make a difference? Now, if they're if they're doing this because in the organization they were sentenced to coaching, punished by being sent to the coach. Until you overcome that, it's not likely you're going to get very good results. Mm -hmm. So much of what takes place in coaching is trusting that what you as the coach see is what the person receiving the coaching has to take into account and begin to see as well. They don't see it, they need to act on it as if it's true. What I'm hearing you do is, is approach it from a consultant perspective. And one of the things I'm thinking about is what about the manager or the leader and how they approach coaching. And as you said, we as consultants feel it's absolutely imperative that we approach them with the idea, you have to have a commitment to this. You have to be engaged in this. This, You have to own this, so to speak. It has to be yours. What's interesting is I don't quite see managers and leaders taking the same approach. Oftentimes they will come in or they will call a subordinate in and say, here's what you're not doing right. And they will just start off and list either the skills or behaviors they think ought to change without getting any buy-in from the worker at all. And so I think a very important point that you're making, and we just assumed it when you started this line of uh, conversation, is that you have to engage the worker themselves in the process of identifying, assessing, and doing the hard work of changing the behaviors. Now, that goes back to that notion of self-assessment that Matt was talking about in that podcast that I mentioned earlier. Talk to me a little bit about your approach to getting people to do self-assessment as being a part of your coaching behavior. I ask, how do you see yourself at this task? How do you see yourself in terms of Mm. comparative performance with others who've been in that role? What's your history? What about this task? What about this skill? Do you believe is important to you? Or do you find it just something so hard to get invested in? Mm-hmm. So I have them do that kind of assessment early in terms of they're looking at their own level of commitment, their own level of performance. But in the end, my conviction is that the coach has to see what the individual does not see. Mm-hmm. 
If you intend to coach someone, if all you're doing is bringing obvious observations to this individual's performance, I doubt that there'll be a significant improvement. And I doubt that the individual will enjoy the coaching mm-hmm. or find it valuable. I don't know if you ever enjoy coaching in some regards, but find it valuable. Hmm. And so what I think coaches bring is uh, sight. They see and can explain, can bring to the attention of the individual what they're not seeing. You know, I found a great quote by Tom Landry, the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and I, I loved it. It said, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you have always known you could be. And so I love that picture, and it's exactly what you're saying. At the end of the day, that is the coach's job, is to help you see what you don't see and to help you understand what it's going to take for you to get to the next level. Otherwise, you don't need a coach, but almost all of us do. In fact, that was one of our arguments early on, was even the elite in any field should be getting coaching because it's even that small incremental difference that can be made by a coach observing what you can't observe that's going to make the difference and change your behavior. And I've often used a uh, categorization, Bob, about coaches allow you to get to a competitive level. Hmm. I think people who are very committed to, for example, conditioning can get themselves to a healthy level, but you don't get to the levels of peak performance and levels of performance that allow you to compete and become an asset to your company without coaching. I honestly don't believe that. Hmm. Even the very best, even the super talented know that to stay at that level, they can't do it without assistance. They can't do it without a coach to help them see what they're now beginning to overlook. I'm convinced about coaching that anyone who's serious about being a competitive asset to a company should be very open to and be very willing to commit to coaching. You know, I'm going to make the argument going back to what I saw to be the original starting point for this particular conversation. It is a good coach's job to help the individual do self-assessment, that that becomes a part of that individual's ability to perform going forward is that they begin to make a more astute assessment of what they really do accomplish, their skill sets, their behaviors, what they really are good at and what they're not good at. I work with people that I would judge that they really don't see helping the individual self-assess initially and throughout the process as a key part of their coaching responsibility. So I like that a lot. And when Matt said it, I thought, you know, that really is an important thing to learn, that one of your first steps in coaching someone is to help them do an accurate self-assessment. And they won't ever be always right. Otherwise, you're not needed. But getting better at doing self-assessment helps you as a coach and helps them be able to climb that performance ladder, if you will, in terms of really getting to, as you said, a more competitive, even elite status their ability to self-assess based on your ability to coach them through that process is going to be key to improvement. Let me ask you a question, Bob. It, something you said sparked this question. When you said, well, you know, part of it may be coaching a son or daughter. How do parents coach? Hmm. What would you suggest as a positive way for parents to coach? You know, I think that's a real hard one because this is one of those places where I think parents have so much invested in the child. And you said, you never want to be in a place, at least I remember you saying, you never want to be in a place where you're more invested than the individual is in their own improvement. And yet I would say, I have yet to meet parent or very many parents who aren't exactly that. They are more invested in that child's improvement being performance than the child is. And so I'm thinking of my two grandsons right now, both really talented, bright young men. And yet we look at them and say, you're not getting this. 
You should be wanting more. You should be wanting to do more. You should be wanting to really perform in a different sort of way. So I think it's really hard on parents to adopt even what we're talking about right here. But I honestly believe that if they could adopt even pieces of it, it would improve. So I'll use this piece we're on about self-assessment, getting them to say to the son or daughter, where do you think you are? How would you evaluate what's going on right now? Are you performing at your max? Do you want to perform at your max? How do you view that? What do you want to achieve? All those questions to keep raising them. Now, I have to confess, what I've heard in response to that, or my daughter has heard in response to that, is I'm as high as I want to go. I'm great here. I'm good. I'm good with this. (laughs) And we say, no, 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 that's not the response we wanted. I don't think I've really answered your question, but I think it is a tough one for parents. Do you have specific thoughts? Well, no, no. I was just uh, wondering conversationally where we'd go with that. Uh, I think the difficulty is that we can't keep the balance right. Our commitment for their success seems sometimes to exceed theirs. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I think it creates an imbalance that makes coaching much more difficult, puts you in a much more awkward role. Uh, I know I can coach people who I'm committed to their success, but Ultimately, their success doesn't affect me the way my children's success would affect me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that makes it. And when we look at what we focus on, uh, we often talk about skills, behaviors, performance, but then we also consider attitude. And I think that's where, when you coach your own children, it gets the most difficult because often you don't see their attitude being where it needs to be, and you confronting it can make it worse. Yeah. And I think attitude uh, among those things that you focus on as a coach is often the most difficult to bring to the coachee's attention in a way that allows them to say, okay, I'll, I'll consider that. That that could be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking about that myself and thinking that is what you bump into oftentimes as a parent with children is attitude. Hard not to think of any situation that parents don't encounter this notion of don't give me that attitude. And yet I think it's there. I also think in organizational settings, as a coach, you can make a decision to say, you're choosing not to work with me here. And I'm going to choose not to work with you. And I can even terminate you. But I don't think there's anything such thing as terminating children in our family. They're there. They're just... They're just there and you got to stay with them. So I think the parental relationship is so much more complicated when we talk about this notion of coaching and yet we continue to promote it. But it it does have those downsides that you're wanting more for the child than they want for themselves. And then when you actually try to coach them, you don't have a lot of options in terms of if they resist. In fact, though, I've got a colleague right now that's going out to coach this these next two days. And one of the outcomes is at the end of day two, she can say to the client, you know, this just isn't going to work. I'm watching and saying, you don't really want to change. And yet you're being told you have to change, but you don't really want to change. I think you're going to need to find someone else or they're going to terminate you. Now, that's always an option for consultants and even managers that say, if you don't want to change, we've got alternatives. So yeah, that's a, that's a sticky one. I think I would like to summarize the list and say, when we say, what do coaches focus on? Well, unlike mentors who I think focus on relationships, and focus on managing the overall system, giving the person you're mentoring perspective. Coaches really do focus on skills, and that breaks down into specific behaviors, and they focus on performance. I think a clear case of whether you have been successful as a coach is did performance improve? If performance has not improved, and you say, well, we had a great coaching relationship, and I look at it and say, well, there was no performance improvement here, then my reaction would be, well, whatever happened may have been good, but it wasn't coaching. Because coaching is about improving performance. And improvement does become a significant part of coaching. That if we're not seeing development, then I think as a coach, as a manager who is trying to coach, we've got to raise the question, what's going on here? 
I'm not seeing a change here. I'm not seeing someone develop. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say one of the, in light of that, one of the coaching skills that's most critical is your ability to give people accurate feedback. Mm. And you being able to break situations, performance down into very small pieces. I wouldn't say micro, but very small pieces and give people feedback on each of those pieces related to their behavior, their performance. Let me and, let me run with that just a minute, Barry, because I think this is a really important point. If you were to try to assess what are the most important coaching skills that a person that says, I want to coach, what do they need to be able to do to be really effective as a coach? I'm hearing you say, one, they really need to be able to make assessments. They really need to be able to assess accurately what needs to change. And then this last one was not that. What Repeat for me again what you were saying on that. Well, I was just saying that you as a coach have to be able to give feedback on nuanced behavior. And when you, even when you said that, I thought, yeah, feedback could well be the most important skill that a coach has. And if you're not good at giving feedback, you don't do it well. And what I mean by well is clearly also being able to do it in a way that the person responds to you and hears it for what it is. Then that's going to affect your ability to be a coach, uh, be a manager coach, be a leader coach, because you have to be able to give feedback in a very effective way. And you have to be able to make assessments in a very effective way. Any other thoughts on terms of skills that a good coach would really necessarily have? Well, I would say observation. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're watching people perform, when you're watching people at work do their job, and I use this word, you have to pick out the nuanced behavior that would make the biggest difference, Mm -hmm. particularly as you're coaching high performers. Yes. Part of the goal not to be just a coach people who are new and experienced, kind of a blank slates, because quite frankly, those are easy. Mm-hmm. You can see automatically, well, don't do that. That That's really out of place. But when you're talking about people who are already at pretty high levels of performance, but they want that extra competitive piece, then you have to be able to see the smallest variables that will make a difference. So I think sight, when I say sight, I mean, being really able to see what's taking place and to know which small piece, if changed, would make the biggest difference. I really like that. Really like that. I can't believe it, but we are out of time. And so we blew right through this one. As we were talking, there were any number of examples that came to mind that I thought of, well, that's a great example of that particular principle. So maybe next session, we might be able to reclaim some of that and summarize what we explored this time. And next time we want to move on to, well, what exactly does the coach provide? to the person being coached beyond the idea of what's the coach focused on. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. 